Hello, and welcome to episode 143 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm your host for today. And we are kicking off something I've been planning, or we've been planning for months, four episodes in a row of all about the Lunar series. Lunar, Lunar, Lunar. You know what? I don't care, but here we are. And joining me is first, Rob Fenner. <laughs> uh anyway yeah um, i just really wanted really wanted to play that horrible sega cd thing, so. uh, i feel hi, deprived for having me. I, I feel deprived for not playing the sega cd version to, so i've missed that but uh, yeah we'll Vic ireland about... got his friends to sing oh man well, we'll have to talk about that in a few minutes but joining rob and i is one of our community managers leona mccallum hi Leona, you are my favorite type of podcaster on Retro Encounter because this is your first time playing any of the Lunar games. Is that correct? It is. I've never played this series at all. Excellent. I uh, I really like having fresh perspectives discuss games alongside more veteran perspectives, so I am overjoyed to have you joining us. But um, before we talk about the games themselves, I want to go a little bit into why we're doing this month, this episode, or uh, this month of episodes. And... Uh, and part of that, we've been planning this since almost since the beginning of 2018, because, um, uh, listener, you may or may not know, RPG Fan used to be a lunar fan site called LunarNet, and it was founded in 1997, uh, late 1997, and was rebranded as RPG Fan about a year and a half or two years later. And, uh, and um, one of the founders of RPG Fan, who's no longer with the website, is still running a new version of LunarNet. So... Unusually, uh, Lunar is sort of <laughs> endemic to RPG Fan completely, and we're, since we're celebrating RPG Fan's 20th anniversary this year, we decided to have at least part of those celebrations involve Lunar. And after talking to other editors on the website about it, we decided to do an entire month of Lunar episodes on Retro Encounter, with two episodes for Lunar the Silver Star and two episodes for Lunar 2 Eternal Blue. And these, this is the first of those four. So, uh, And I, I don't remember exactly how early it was planned, but for a while we just couldn't decide on the month, and it eventually landed on July. So, uh, uh, starting with you, Rob, um, what is your background playing Lunar? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Lunar was kind of the killer app of the Sega CD when I was a kid. Um, there wasn't anything super impressive when that console first dropped, but I remember seeing that um, Lunar, uh, Snatcher, and... Weirdly, um, Annette Futatabi, um, the uh, third uh, game in the Ernest Evans slash El Viento series, which was bad. Uh, <laughs> but those three games um, really excited me about the um, uh, uh, prospect of the uh, Genesis's um, CD add-on. And yeah, that Annette um, game sounds like the lepidus of that triumvirate. Pardon me? Sorry, 12 credits of classics at university. Uh-huh. <laughs> can't help. Sometimes, oh. sometimes I can't help myself. <laughs> uh so this was the first work and designs game i played i think it was probably the first jrpg i played with um voice acting and the little very limited animation anime cutscenes. um and it felt like i was playing one of my japanese animes um i was pretty blown away uh by it um at the time and it the, was an incredibly and, difficult game and this is shortly after it came out in the in the early mid 90s yeah, so it would have been, I think, 93 or 94 okay. uh, was when I got it. Still an incredibly difficult game. <laughs> um, oh, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, you, you, you don't know how, <laughs> you don't know how easy you have it. But um, 
Yeah, I I played the hell out of the Sega CD game. It's one of the Sega CD games that I've held on to because like I had to sell a bunch that I really loved to afford university. But like when it came to box up the lunar games, I was like, mm, oh, you are both staying with me. Um, so I have very, very fun memories. I ha- I rented the PlayStation version. Um, I should have bought it when I had the chance. Uh, I did not. Uh, I've played most of the remakes. I played the Game Boy Advance version, which I was not impressed with. And now I am playing through Silver Star Harmony for the PSP, which is terrible. Um, that's dis- that's so, disappointing because yeah. um, I, I'm playing the PS1 versions. They're the only ones I've played. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But it's not easy to get a hold of these games. Um, the, the PS1 discs were, rare, were uncommon or rare when I got them. And yeah. they're, they're not available as PS1 classics on any of the Sony services. So when it had a PSP remake, I was, you know, my reaction was positive. It's like, all right, more people will be able to play Lunar. Maybe this will be the, def- the definitive mm. version of Lunar 1. But it sounds I like that's not the case. I think I like it less than I like the Game Boy Advance port. Oh, yikes. So, yeah. <laughs> and and that, that's Lunar Legend, which I'm aware of but have not played. Um, oh. But, Leona, uh, now you, you mentioned before this is your first time playing any of the Lunar games, but uh, were you at least aware of them before semi-recently, or what was your impression of them before you started playing? My impression of them? I wasn't aware of them, really. I knew they existed. I knew us as RPG fan was Lunar.net, but that didn't mean anything to me. I'd never had any friends talk about Lunar. I, it was a non-entity as far as I was concerned. Uh, but So I really did go into this series entirely blind. All right, and um, I guess I'll talk about uh, my experience briefly before we get into the game itself. Uh, I was not aware with, of them growing up since I, you know, uh, I'd never really owned any Sega system other than a Dreamcast. So, mm. I mean, I went from NES to SNES to PS1 to PS2. It was basically my gaming lineage. But when I had a PlayStation in the, I want to say, early 2000s and started getting into um, lurking around gaming forums, including RPG Fan, uh, Lunar, the Lunar games came up maybe not, you know, all the time, but often enough that I was at least curious, and a lot of people seem to like these PS1 ports, so when I started having some disposable income from jobs and whatnot, uh, when I was in high school in the early 2000s, I I did find a copy of Lunar Silver Star Story Complete for PS1 at a thrift store, and picked that up, and, uh, and started playing that when I was 17 or 18, and partway through it, I, I'm like, all right, I definitely want the sequel to this as well. And I ended up seeking out Lunar 2 Eternal Blue Complete for PS1 on eBay, I think. or uh, I, I, I definitely got one in the store and one online, and I'm pretty sure that's the order that it happened in. Uh, and I, so I played them then, ba- basically back-to-back, probably in the same month. And uh, it's been 13 or 14 years. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it has definitely been enough time and definitely a good occasion to replay them. So I was, I enthusiastically supported the idea of doing a month all about Lunar for Retro Encounter. I'm excited about it this month. Oh, good. Yeah, because uh, we, again, we're going to try to do um, two episodes for each game. Uh, the panel not might might not be exactly the same because I know that uh, there's other RPG fan staff interested in, in uh, playing Lunar with us. So. I think I think the panel will probably be expanded a little bit for Lunar 2, but for now, it's the three of us discussing Lunar 1. So it starts out uh, with, I think, a, a very sort of in, innocent and earnest beginning, I would say, because it's a, uh, you have three friends in a tiny town in this, um, you know, vaguely 
uh, vaguely Central Asian or Northern European <laughs> um, yeah. styled area. Scandinavian. <laughs> yeah, the clothes that the people wear, um, they remind me of like a, a, like of Central Asian nomad t- tribesmen. Yeah, it's kind of like Genghis Khani. Yeah, or or also like you know the way they're wrapped up, especially in Berg where it's cold, like a like like a Scandinavian uh, person like from the mm-hmm. I don't know eighteen hundreds, like like Rob suggested. So it's a it's an interesting look already that um definitely doesn't seem like they're part of the. Uh, they're part of you know a a modern setting, but also a different fantasy setting than your you know Lord of the Wings, Lord of the Rings dwarves and elves. But it, you start out in this uh, remote area, Caldor Isle, with uh, three childhood friends, one of whom wants to be an adventurer, one of whom wants to stake out on his own and become a businessman, and one who is definitely attached to her adventurer childhood friend. Uh, that's Alex, uh, Ramus, and Luna. So, uh, Leona, what was your early impressions of the game playing for the first couple hours? Well, to be honest, I wasn't sure about my feelings in the first couple of hours. It felt very generic in a way, very old school. I felt like maybe I'd seen all this before in various iterations. So I was particularly like, oh no, am I going to be playing 30 hours of a sort of Saturday morning anime? That's a very fair take because sometimes this feels absolutely like a like a Saturday morning anime, and like the, and the Vile Tribe dress up as like Tatsunoko villains. <laughs> yeah, it's like they were striking like Sentai poses as they like announced themselves. So. I have no objections. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I was I was skeptical at first, but I think you warm up to these characters the longer you play the game, for sure. Say negative. <laughs> All right, and uh, and Rob, um, different version of the same question for you. Uh, since you've played the Sega CD version and the PS1 version uh, p- prior to this playthrough, what hmm. were your impressions of the beginning of the game, like, also going against your memories of previous playthroughs? Um, like, this is, like, the most basic RPG story, <laughs> um, but it is pulled off with um, a level of, like, I guess... I guess panache is cliche, but panache and characterization that was largely absent um, from from the genre when it debuted in '92. Obviously, it's um, <clears throat> it doesn't quite stand out as much now um, in in 2018 when um, you you expect um, you expect decent characterization and a gripping plot. And this is. Um, I think I am trading a bit on nostalgia because I was thinking about like, mm, I, you know, if, if this came out now as a new game, I probably wouldn't have a great deal of time for the concept because I mean, Alex is, you know, he wants to be a hero for hero's sake. Um, and Dragon Master Dine, what, what's so great about him? <laughs> anyway, you know, it, it, it's all sort of given to you as a given. Um, it's, it's all telling and not showing. Yeah. Yeah. You really need to come into it with goodwill. I one of the interesting things I always forget that um, in it's only the Sega CD version that Alex is a silent protagonist, and he may as well be actually. Yeah, I, he I was really gonna have... say that like he speaks, but everything he says is so inconsequential that yeah. he really feels like a silent protagonist anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean you can boil down to his personality too. He likes Luna and he wants to be a good guy. That's yeah. Uh, that's about it. That's yeah. interesting that it was a silent protagonist because I was going to bring that up, but I've never played the Sega CD version. I'm also playing the PlayStation 1 version. He has one line in the Sega CD version. He screams, Luna! at the climax. <laughs> and I guess it's supposed to be like a big dramatic moment, but it's uh-huh. just, 
kind of feels weird. Um, <laughs> I I like Null a lot. Uh, Null, the snarky um, fourth party member, flying cat. Um, and How rude of I, me to, to neglect to mention that. I dare you. Yeah. I'm and sorry. I like... I like Ramus. Uh, Ramus is is pretty annoying, but he's got this very, like, kind of Boy Scout outfit, and it is something, something about that design that I like. I, I like him as an excitable friend who realizes early on that he's not cut not cut out, cut out for adventuring. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I can't say cut out apparently. Um, and really I, not. <laughs> it, it is sort of uh, amusing to like when you go back to his ta- uh, to his new shop. They they have the. Um, you know the excite like excited party music play when you come in. It's he, he's doing just fine for himself, but he's uh, I, I guess I mean, he's welcome at least as a you know as as a damaged sponge early on. Doesn't he also hire like a bunny girl as like the shopkeeper? I think his I think his first or yeah. second move at his new business is to hire a bunny girl shopkeeper. Who <laughs> wouldn't? And also to sell sell starlights. So yeah, <laughs> I all I prove I prove. And he's way more he's way closer to the goddess statue than like the magic shop in the other aisle, so it's a it's very welcome and uh, I guess Ramus knows sex sells as well as anybody does <laughs> but this fat fifteen year old dressing up women in bunny costumes yeah. <laughs> run around his store Jesus uh you do get a special item from from him if you uh talk to him before you leave for the frontier they uh, he sells you a rememberizer that otherwise costs i think sixty thousand silver oh, so geez. what does it do? Um, it lets you watch any cutscene that you've seen before in the in, oh, okay, in, in so menu. Mm, yeah, it's not important. There's <laughs> I was yeah, there's a there's a couple items that are semi good that are missable, but uh, that's not one of them. Okay, but uh, I mean, going back to comparing my memories of this game to when I'm playing it now, it's I think I like it about as much. But I also I also like sort of simply told stories with at least appeal, semi appealing characters. Like I'm a big fan of. Uh, of the Dragon Quest series and of Skies of Arcadia. So it's just like you give me a turn-based game with colorful sort of anime-styled characters that uh, that aren't, you know, overtly gross. And it's like, okay, yep, I'm into this. Mm. But the I, I'm starting to worry that, uh, like, encountering the script again, it's <laughs> sort of a lot worse than I remember. Uh, well, that, that's not their fault. Yeah, it, it's it's awfully dated. Um, the Working Designs Localizer script has a... Uh, uh, some pop culture references and some uh, jokes in poor taste or word choice in poor taste. Yes. Uh, like, like, I mean, I, I mean, the, one of Nash's early equipments is a uh, rainbow colored bandana. That's just called the, the fruity, fruity bandana. bandana. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like are, are you kidding? I was like, come on. But like Nash is totally like, he's totally not. He uh, like, he would, know, he might nice hair, but he loves Mia. Yeah. I mean, he might call that, uh, that that bandana that because he's kind of a jerk, but he is the the only time he is a good person is when he's trying to help Mia. <laughs> yeah, I think the first time I really thought, oh wow, this script is really dated, was when you go to the old hag's house, and if you talk to one of her dogs, Nal will say something along the lines like, "I hope the old hag doesn't like Thai food," and I just oh, went, "Wow, oh, <laughs> wow, oh, Nal, uh, one... racist." Yeah, the one the ones that shock me are the uh, are the more pop culture references. Like, uh, um, Nal says recites lyrics from Rick James's Super Freak. If you try to check out uh, 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 Luna's chest of drawers, um, and, but um, it's, it's it, it feels awkward most of the time. And some of the uh, some of the word choice I'm 
not a fan of. It feels dated. Uh, someone that really likes this game and played it 20 years ago would probably call it charming before they would call it. Uh, it's a totally different world now. It, like, the, yeah. looking at it, it wouldn't, you know, the eyes back then wouldn't see anything wrong with that. But, I mean, like yeah. Rob alluded to, um, sometimes it's not the localizer's fault and definitely the game's fault. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, is there any reason that Kyle has to cross-dress to, to lure the enemies into the center of Reza? Oh, it's just sexy, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like okay. I mean, I'm, I'm I I guess I'm happy for you that it worked out. But I mean, I mean, really? Like you, you like this was your plan, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, Kyle doesn't strike me as a great strategist. If no. I'm honest. <laughs> oh, okay, we're in agreement there. Um, but uh, yeah, so the game. One of the edges that the Exceed uh, localization of, uh, or the the release of Silver Star Harmony has is that it's got an Exceed localization, which is, oh, really? um, it tries to um, like it, the 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 sort of flippant charm still comes across, but it removes um, pretty much all the pop culture references and any of the sort of like racist or homophobic humor. So. Yeah. Um, Probably for the best, I'm saying. It's it's, it's, it's the best version of this script that I've seen. Uh, sadly, encased in the, in the worst version that I've played. Uh, what's so wrong with it? Is it slow or something? Uh, it's really slow. Um, dungeons are broken up into um, uh, rooms that uh, very slowly fade in and out. And every time you, you you have to go, like for example, in the sewers, you need to go back and forth between rooms to flip switches. And the monsters respawn uh, every time, and you can never oh. outrun them. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad with this game that monsters don't respawn. Like, if you beat that monster once until you leave the dungeon, yeah. it's good. It's good. And it's not segmented into rooms. Uh, it's seg- Well, okay, it is segmented into floors. It's like a sing- single, floors. single screen. But yeah, yeah but it's cool, a, yeah. it covers a pretty large space in a single screen, which I guess is doable because, yeah. I mean, these, these sprites are not the most uh, elaborate yeah. or uh, data-rich, I think. But it's... Um, yeah, that, nice, that, that, right? that's a real bummer that monsters. Because I mean, I, I've exploited the mm-hmm. uh, lack of monster respawn quite a bit in this game yeah. when, I, when I'm going I mean, after I'd, the chests. Sooner be playing the Sega CD version with random encounters than this one where it's like forced encounters respawning every time I have to go back a screen to flip a switch and then oh, wow. go back and go over a bridge. Yeah, that sounds bad too. That's bad, <laughs> and it's already quite a slow game. Like a lot of backtracking happens. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, I, I'm, there are some good parts to the game's, uh, I guess, basics. Uh, you can save anywhere, which is nice in the yeah, PS in the PS One version. And um, restoring your health with goddess statues located all over the places, and you know, a, a little old school, but I appreciate it. Um, yeah. I, I don't think anything about the about the basics of combat or gameplay seem broken. It's a it's it's turn based, but characters also have run distances and attack ranges, which is yeah. uh, only. You know, like one or two steps more complicated than a Dragon Quest game, but it's a it's a system that I at least um, I never found confusing or working against me exactly, except for maybe one or two times when if someone's totally surrounded they get pinned, which is annoying, but it doesn't bother me that much. Leona, I mean, again, you're for your first time playing, and I'm sure you've played a bunch of old school RPGs. Even though I, I don't, I don't, I don't have your entire, you know, gaming catalog written in front of me or anything. Generally, if it's turn-based, and I've played it, but somehow this entire series escaped me. So it's like quite lucky that way that I get to play it for the podcast. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I haven't played this one, but I have played most of the RPGs. 
your first time playing this, like, what about the basic mechanics uh, um, jumped out at you or you found, I don't know, uh, frustrating or appealing? Well, the most frustrating mechanic is definitely the inventory system, which can oh, be a right. bit mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like I've spent at least five hours in this game just managing menus. Because when you go to a shop and you're trying to outfit your characters with new equipment, if their like secondary inventory slot is full, you can't buy something from them. So you've got to empty their inventory to give it to Nal, go back to the store, enter the store, buy what they want, equip what they want, exit that, then sell your old equipment. It's quite tedious, and you have to do that for every single character yeah, every time. And that secondary inventory is, I think, only maybe six or eight items. So it's not... It's it, small. It, yeah, it's it, small. it fills up very quickly. And uh, I'm, I just got used to, you know, whenever I was in the menu, I would just dump everything to now unless I knew I really wanted a, a Starlight in someone's inventory for a, uh, yeah. if, uh, for a boss battle or something. But... Uh, in general, I don't think the mechanics get in my way, and if I if um if I'm not worried about MP, which is, you know, uh, sometimes, but I'm often I'm very worried about MP. MP is intensive in this game. Yeah, it's a it's it's a valuable resource, and um the starlights and silver lights, the items that restore MP, are a little uncommon and a little expensive. So it's a uh, um it, it's not that easy to deal with. And uh, but sometimes if I knew MP wasn't going to be a factor, like I was like I was almost back to town, or I was going to get healed in a in a minute, um, I would just turn on the AI uh, the AI mode. And normally that's fine, except they'll also use items willy nilly in AI mode. So sometimes I have had them use healing nuts when I rather they wouldn't. I tried it like at the beginning, but everyone was using like their most powerful spell. Oh yeah, and I ran out of MP super fast. I was like, oh, I'm not using that again. And yeah, and MP <laughs> is a scarce resource for basically everyone except Mia, who has like. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, my characters are level 33, 34 or thereabouts uh-huh. right now. And Mia's MP is in the low 200s and no one else, yeah, I think, has above 110. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, this is an old school game. Uh, there, there is a little bit of a grind to it. I, uh, I, I knew there was, I, I knew one part of the area where I remembered leveling up 14 years ago. So I sort of, uh, hurtled through the game as fast as I could until I got there. And then I just gained four or five levels in one, <laughs> in one area. In the merchant town, like, with the demons attack, and then you have no. like, the healing spot. That's no, that's not a bad idea. That's but um, but, but uh, <laughs> that, uh, I think you only have Alex and Jessica in your party at that time. So I was, oh, right. I was worried about that. Um, this is a little later in Illuk in the research field, right? Um, in the the town of of Goofy Inventors. Um, there's mm. they they give a lot of experience for that time in the game at that area, and it's very easy to pop out of there and go in, into the um, town for the goddess statue. Because it's, it's a relatively constrained uh, dungeon that is that is not separate from the town. It's just in a back door in the town. But, so that, that's where it's a lot of leveling up. But uh, Rob, um, did the grind or any of the mechanics get into the, get in the way for you uh, playing it this time? I mean, it's different if you're playing the PSP uh, version. You probably I had... had I had to fight so many battles. Um, oh, which, like, I guess it's okay. I mean, the first time I played this game, I was. Uh, so young, I probably had no business playing JRPGs. So I remember I was like very underleveled, and it made a lot of this game quite, quite difficult. So I guess being forced to fight uh, all the enemies, okay. Um, but the, I, I did just feel very tired. I remember that working designs really uh, had, were quite infamous for messing with the difficulty. Uh, in their games and making making the games that they localized quite a bit harder than they were intended to be. Wow, I, uh, I, I was for example, aware of that. Huh. 
Oh yeah, they very famously um, tweaked an integer in Exile Wicked Phenomenon on Turbo Duo, uh, where they wanted to boost enemy strength by like two points, but that caused like an overrun and made every enemy something like have something like over nine thousand uh, strength. Uh, that Don't game make is me say it. very nearly. Very nearly in finish, unfinishable, over 9,000, indeed. Um, Lunar 2 on Sega CD, they included a new uh, currency, uh, Dragon Points, where you need Dragon Points to save the game. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm, not sure what they, I'm not sure what they tweaked, if anything, with their versions of Silver Star Story. But I did not like the idea of, um, of, of currency required to save the game. No, that's, no, that's bad. Um... <laughs> This is it's it's just kind of a slow, awkward RPG. It felt better than its uh, contemporaries in '92. Um, now it doesn't it doesn't stick out so much. But that you know, I'm so biased against this PSP version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Leona and I looked out. We picked the best version to play, and uh, you, I, most I, definitely you did. And and it's um, this was the version that I you know was um, was definitely advertised to me when I was on gaming forums uh, learning about this game. And and I also I guess I didn't mention this before. And in the PS1 version, enemies are visible on the field, and uh, some of them are definitely aren't are can't be avoided, especially really fast wasps yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, but a lot of the time, especially the enemy has a slow walking speed, like a mushroom or something. You can you can kite them and uh, and avoid a lot of encounters. So it's a it it feels slightly modern in that way because uh, that I think. This was definitely from the era of random encounters, and uh, mm-hmm. and sp- and I guess specific encounters being more com- more common than random encounters was some years after, uh, I don't know the nineties the ninety seven ninety nine range when the PS one versions were made, um, but yeah, in, in general it's like it's old school, but I have old school tolerance, so it uh, so it, uh, that doesn't affect me that much. There is a grind, but I sort of welcome the grind sometimes. Just throw on a podcast, whatever. I play Diablo, I play Dragon Quest. Um, mm-hmm. and also it has, a, it has a few things like, uh, like attacks with specific zone, uh, zones of effect and, uh, speci- and, you know, visible encounters rather than random encounters that made, that made this game feel slightly more modern than it has any right to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's not about mechanics. Let's get back into the story and characters. Um, it, it begins in a pretty vanilla manner. And then, uh, when you get to the second part of the game in the, in the Katarina zone where you meet the, uh, the other the others of the four heroes of the past, uh, and you meet um, Nash, Kyle, Jessica, and Mia. Is that feels a little bit like a world tourism kind of phase of the game to me? Because you're, you're like learning more about this area's history and the big uh, and the biggest, most influential towns and groups in the game. And then mm-hmm. there's a bit of a turn after you return to Berg. So, uh, Starting with you, Leona, um, of the four characters besides uh, Alex and Luna, Nash, Mia, Jessica, Kyle, what are your impressions or perhaps an early favorite? Um, early favorite? Uh, probably, well, when you first meet Nash, I felt like I was in desperate need for someone who could do AOE damage. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thankful to have Nash in my party. Nash, you shall be casting Thunderbomb every turn for the next yes. eight hours. <laughs> yes, very much that. So I liked Nash right away, and he had a personality about him where I felt like all the other characters we had so far, apart from Nal, had a sort of bland characterization. <laughs> but I liked Nash. Nash is not a silent protagonist. Absolutely agree. No. 
No. And you do find um, him in a uh, in a under a basket <laughs> that I think was a squirrel yeah. trap or something. Yeah, so, is that ever explained? Why? No, I think he's just clumsy. Um, if, if you check the uh, basket, um, there was a banana underneath. Oh, uh, well, to, so he was to catch wildlife, and yeah, he was stupid enough to fall for it. I can believe that. You know, maybe, maybe we'll save this for the second lunar episode. But I wonder how much of this game's like high high stakes plot could have been avoided if you just left him in that trap. Exactly. I mean, yeah. the game would be over in five hours. <laughs> well, well, we can get to that uh, much later. But uh, all right, and um, uh, and about uh, what do you th- think of uh, Kyle, Mia, and Jessica, Leona? Mia, I like Mia. She's a nice girl. Um, not much I can say besides she's a very nice girl. Uh, Kyle is hit and miss for me. Sometimes he says things, and I just go, "Oh, I wish you didn't say that." <laughs> but apart from, I like that sort of uh, boyish attitude about him. I think he's cool. Jessica is probably my second favorite, definitely. I like that white mage, but I'll hit you with my stick sort of mm-hmm. <laughs> personality she has. Um, uh, and her relationship with her dad is pretty fun. So yeah, that would be my list. I would go Nash first, then Jessica, then Kyle, then Mia. All right. Um, I, I pers- I'll, I'll go next, I guess. Uh, Jessica's my yeah. favorite character. I really... <laughs> I really like her. She's um, and she likes Kyle, but doesn't necessarily need Kyle. Uh, and again, she's a, a a healer that also has you know some toughness and physicality about her, which is also true for the healer in Lunar Two, which is which is also very nice. And um, I and and I I just I just like how straightforward she is, and her uh, her sort of double personality when she's around her dad is an amusing wrinkle. But yeah, so Jessica's my favorite. Um, after that, it's probably. Probably Kyle, because I like sort of Kyle and Jessica together. Yeah. Uh, and, I've, and I like how um, it, it, it would be very easy to have okay, – well, okay, let me slow it down. It's very normal in an RPG to have in, – in, in a hetero romance, boy meets girl, they disagree, they fall in love, they're together by the end. But for mm-hmm. Kyle and Jessica, we're in the middle of a relationship already before we meet either of them. And so it's 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 like exes that separated but still like each other getting back together is a more interesting romantic vibe than boy meets girl, boy loves girl kind of uh, situation. So I, I I like Kyle and Jessica together. I think they're very so the opposite of Luna and Alex. Then yeah, well, <laughs> well, Luna <laughs> and Alex are, are childhood friends, which is a, a, a totally different anime trope that we don't need to get into. But it's a uh, yeah, they're they're, a a, they're way more. Since f- they were raised from birth together. Yeah, so it's like oh god, the last we talked about that the bear. Yeah, just, yeah. so. So it's a childhood friend, vaguely incestuous relationship, which is, yeah. you know, I guess you can take it or leave it, I guess. But I, I'm like Kyle and inter- and Jessica are much more interesting than Alex and Luna to me. Uh, and then uh, Mia and Nash, I like both of them. I, I like Nash for his haughtiness and uh, and and brashness. It's 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 amusing, and ne- and Mia for you know being for just being very sweet and very capable, but also sometimes completely clueless. Because <laughs> she, she does not seem aware of how much Nash likes her, he, she just thinks he's being nice. I think. Yeah. But uh, uh, so I, I like those four, but Kyle and Jessica are my favorite too. Uh, Rob, um, what are your impressions of uh, of the six main characters? Maybe maybe specifically the last four. Uh, well, you said it really. I mean, uh, Jessica and Kyle have always been my favorites as well. Um, they're two strong personalities. I mean, but he's like a bit of an idiot, but um, a bit of like yeah, a cool playboy who's also an idiot, um, which isn't that unique. But um, Jessica, she's, you know, she's the group healer, but she is very much Hellmel's daughter. She is... Um, she deals more damage than Alex sometimes. Dep- yeah. Depending on where they are on finding whatever weapon. Yeah, she she takes no crap. Um, and 
she's a beast woman. Um, I, I have a lot of time for those two. Um, I mean, you said it better better than I did. Um, you know, so many JRPGs are preoccupied with like, uh, will they, won't they? And Jessica and Kai are like, okay, well, they did. Now what? Yep. Um, which you you almost never see because um, JRPGs seem so like um like they can't commit to um actually portraying a romance i don't know if that's to like uh so the dojin writers can do their shipping um and leave and, the doors open yeah um but oh, I, I, wonder, like, I wonder if comicet you know if comicet wasn't sort of you know in fully formed at the time of lunar so they weren't really thinking of what the uh, of uh you know what would the um, what would the shippers think? What would the mm-hmm. what would the what will the dojins be like for this? Which is definitely something they think of, you know, when they're designing characters for the newest Persona game in 2018. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I mean it was Gynax people were involved in in Lunar, so I'm sure they knew. Um, their well, did they do actually, the anime yeah, cutscenes? Did they do the anime cutscenes? Uh, it was um, Kuboka who did the character designs, who worked on um, uh, uh, Nadia. Um, uh, I'm who did who did the cutscenes of the of the PlayStation version? Uh, I'm I don't know. some some studio, I'm sure. But like that that first game didn't have cutscenes really. It just had um like cut picture. Anyway, where was I going? Yeah, Kyle, uh, Kyle and Jessica are my favorites. Um, I like Nash and his stupid attitude and his stupid hair. I remember when I was a kid, his his ducktail hair was very easy to draw, uh, and I was very <laughs> bad at drawing, so I like drawing Nash quite a bit. Um, I, I enjoy greaser hair and pompadours yeah. and, and things of that nature, so I I like Nash's hair quite a bit as well. Uh, and the way he spins that comb around when you meet him, what a, <laughs> what a dude. Um, and Mia, well, she's the like nice mage girl she's okay she's inoffensive but i don't i don't have any fond memories uh, or i don't have any like many like firm memories of mia and playing this again it's like yeah yeah that i was that's about right you were there yeah that's uh similar i don't hate me. her you know it's similar for me i mean i like mia but i uh yeah. i mean in the 14 intervening years before me playing it now and me playing it for the first time i remember how much i liked Kyle and Jessica, but I couldn't remember what Mia's personality was, yeah. other than other than Mage Girl, and I and I did remember Nash for uh, a few specific reasons mm-hmm. <laughs> that we'll probably get to in the second episode. Um, ah, but... it's Studio it's Studio Gonzo who did the oh, cutscene. Okay, yeah. okay, anyway. cool. And but um, Rob, you mentioned one thing that we hadn't really gone over yet. Uh, there are Beastmen characters in this game, and they they I think that that might be a uh, just a. Uh, a design preference of game arts or some of their uh, character artists because there's uh, mm-hmm. a lot of beast people in Grandia as well. Yeah, and, and it's kind of underutilized. It's not really touched upon until um, Lunar Dragon Song. The less said about that, the better. Uh, <laughs> has the main thrust of that plot is like a war between the humans and the beast men, and it's very undercooked there. But like here, it's just like. Like I, I kind of wish they talked about the Beastmen a little bit more, but I also like the fact that it's just like this is how it is. Uh, this yeah. is one of the races here. Everybody gets along. Um, it's you know here here they are. Yeah, there, I like that. There isn't a lot of beast racism or thing, or at least any that I could detect mm. in a major way. And uh, and living alongside flying cats and dragons and beast <laughs> people just seemed to be an accepted reality of the world here. And mm. I think uh, and and like uh, Jessica, who's probably only part beast person, maybe uh, has like like a like a little bit of fang and and some sort of war paint features that maybe that sort of 
indicates that she's uh, that she's not fully human. And I mm. and uh, and even looking at um, the features of uh, of the fully human characters that are you know slightly uh, you know I don't I don't want to say savage, but, but but like like you know like things like war paint and the way they're dressed makes me think that. Um, like like human and beast person cross pollination has been a reality of this of this world for a long time. Yeah. Like like even like the main character of Lunar Two Hero, I don't think he's a full human. Just just looking at him because he has a because he has sort of a Jessica face with more paint and more uh, and more visible teeth than than at least than Alex does. Yeah, and his grandpa's adopted, isn't he? Right. Yeah. It, it, it's a it's an interesting design choice having um having characters that don't affi- that uh, don't appear to be fully human interacting with each other normally and again I haven't played Lunar Dragon Song mostly because of its reputation I was I was aware of how disliked it was before I even had a chance to play it but uh uh so yeah but it's an interesting choice that Lunar makes with that um uh, what do you think of the look of the most of the cast of the game Leona uh, did you uh, yeah, we we've, we we talked about our favorites of the main cast, but uh, outside the main cast, was there anything that noticed you or anyone you particularly liked? Um, well, can I just say that the whole beast fan thing totally went over my head. I thought she was just like, "I'm a fang girl. I have cute fangs. Do you like my cute fangs?" <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like just a design choice. So Isn't I never dad. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, cool. He's a fang boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, choices that I really like. Um, well, you know, I think a lot of the game looks great. Like, I think I like a lot of the art style in it, and I think they put a lot of effort into it. Um, sometimes I feel like a dragon or two maybe have got more love than one other dragons. <laughs> like Quark seemed to have got the most love. He is, yeah, he is he definitely is. the most screen time of the four dragons. Yeah, uh, he's got like moving parts, and like there's <laughs> other dragons that are like, I'm a PDF image. <laughs> Help me. I don't, I don't move. I just really fade in and out. Yes. And I, do, Ooh, I, don't, and I don't have a voice performer, but Quark, but Quark does. Yeah. Um, Character wise, um, Kyle looks great. I really like the look of him. He's a, he's a cutie. Cutie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I know who I don't like. I think Galleon looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't like his outfit, and I don't like much about Galleon, if I'm honest. I like his silly rugby ball shaped hat. <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion. Yeah, I mean, well, there's this sort of like um, he's very '90s anime villain, um, yeah. and I, I I do have a fondness for the ridiculous over design. Yeah, he, overdesigned. Costume. Yeah, overdesigned came uh, across to me too as well. Yeah. He, look, he looks like a like the worst version of a Warcraft elf, and his uh, <laughs> and his giant armor looks like a you know much older version of a Final Fantasy twelve judge. I think like, it's bad, but it's good. It's so good, but so bad. <laughs> his post plot twist outfit is less offensive than his pre plot twist outfit. I'd say. <laughs> If you get my drift, yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm sure listeners know this, but uh, Galleon is one of the is the main villain of Lunar One. Um, he appears yeah, to be for a, some reason. Yeah, he appears to be a good guy at first. He's one of the the four heroes that saved the world um, 15 years earlier or 16 years earlier, and he is a uh, an official in the Magic Guild that is a very uh, powerful organization within the Lunar World. But 
after you meet him and help the magic guild out a little bit, he accompanies you back to Berg, where you uh, where you first meet the White Dragon early on in the game, and then reveals himself to be uh, an evil sorcerer called the Magic Emperor, and he steals away the power of the White Dragon and makes and uh, kidnaps Luna away from the party. And uh, after that first big turn, um, it, it was just you. Al- it was just Alex, Luna, and Galleon going back to Berg. You uh, you meet. Uh, or I should say, re-meet uh, Jessica, Nash, Mia, and Kyle one by one to assemble your full your your full party. And then the thrust of the plot stops being uh, Alex goes on adventure on an adventure and starts being Alex wants to become the Dragon Master to save Luna f- and defeat Galleon. And that's uh, and and I, I don't know if the tone of the plot changes because it mean it sort of feels like the same game, but it's just the uh, mm. but but the, at least the thrust of the plot changes. I feel like I was definitely more invested after that point. I yes. feel like the vein, what happened in vain, really made me feel like, oh, I can actually start really caring about this game now. I feel like stuff is happening. I feel like I've made some cool bad guys I can hate. You know, you love to hate some bad guys. And hmm. before that, you really had no one to really say, that's my antagonist. Hmm. Hmm, indeed. Yeah, again, like, I think that when you're meeting the people for the first time and just exploring the world, it feels a little bit like tourism. Like, you're just going from place to yeah. place and, and righting minor wrongs here and there. Like, the. A little trails ish at first. A little, yeah. yeah the, the way that you talk to NPCs feels very trails ish. Like, everyone kind of has something to say after every sort of plot point. And it, and it does, and uh, um, speaking to NPCs feels more like a dialogue and less like a recitation by the NPC, which is something yeah. that the Trails series does, and that the and uh, that Lunar's perhaps uh, spiritual successor Grandia also does. It, um, mm-hmm. Like the, the talking feels better and more meaningful when you're just uh, interacting with NPCs. And uh, but again, I'm absolutely with you, Leona. I feel much more invested in the plot once it uh, once I have to rescue Luna and the and the uh, the party fully forms. Um, and yeah. in part because I like I like the these main characters and like watching them interact. But also it's just the, just the stakes are considerably higher. And having uh, a villain, or I should say, a group of villains uh, with targets yeah. with targets to follow, uh, makes it more interesting. Uh, we haven't talked about the Vile Tribe yet. Oh, we need to talk about. Yeah, the we do need to talk about the Vile Tribe. Oh yeah. Okay. So we have uh, Royce, who is a uh, a fortune teller who seems to know Nash, and uh, Facia, who was a priestess that was um, in the same church where Jessica is an on again, off again student, and then Zenobia, who for a while was disguised as the uh, as the leader of the Magic Guild until she's exposed by the party, who's helping out Mia trying to rescue Mia's mother, who's the the real uh, head of the Magic Guild. Those three, oh man, they look like they're straight out of Slayers or some '90s ass anime. Oh, I have got so much yeah. time for them. Oh yeah, yeah, they're great. I love them. <laughs> I love them all. <laughs> yeah. I, I I could stand to have more of them, honestly, because like when a it, when a couple times they'll be you know traipsing through some area in the game, and then suddenly one of them will thunder down, summon some monsters, and then leave. It's like, oh man, come on, hang out longer. I want this to I want this interaction to be more meaningful. And every time they show up, it's like on this episode of Lunar, and then they summon a bag. You'll never defeat my monsters, <laughs> and then you beat them, and like, oh, curses! You got me, and then they disappear until the next time. <laughs> so, so you say that you want more of them. Um, let me tell you, 
they are not in the Sega CD version. Right. I think I read yeah. that. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. That uh, Zenobia is in the Sega CD version, but her role is reduced, and Royce and Facia don't even exist in that one. Yeah, those two don't exist. Zenobia is in it as the leader of the Vile Tribe, but the Vile Tribe seems to just be her. Wow. <laughs> wow. And she, she just That's appears awful. like not very frequently like near the end of the game she kind of shows up and you beat her and and that's about it um so um i i love how much they expanded um all of this and and royce is great facia is pretty great too um but those three they they are a much needed shot in the arm that these that the remakes got yeah, I, I think Facey is probably my favorite of them because I, I like the evil plot of taking over the uh, the world's sort of um, oh shoot uh, like theological power the the church yeah. and and Jessica escaping the curse because she was playing hooky for a week or something. It's like, <laughs> it, it's like it's like oh everyone seems to love this Facey woman who's the head of the church and, and when you speak, meet Jessica for the first time and mes- and mention Facia to her she goes who the hell is Facia I've I've been yeah. I've been at that church yeah. for a year who do you, who, who do you mean so like like I, that plot at least seemed more interesting to me than you know uh, just the 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 vague evil of what the of what the vile tribe represents so it's uh, I, I like mm. all three of them and it's it, it's honestly a little disappointing to me that they aren't in the original version it's like it's like mm. that those poor sega cd players were deprived yeah i mean i should I, i'd quite like to share like the one of the main i mean there's so many differences between the versions but the big thing oh please yeah, hit, hit, us with, hit us with anything you got mm-hmm. um when you, you know, you go off. You you go off to Saith, um at the end of Caldor Isle to set sail to Moribia, um, and I remember it. I th- I think it was, I think it was kind of like engineered to be a big surprise um, when uh, the ship is is sailing and and Luna jumps off the pier onto the ship to come with you. Um, she and does it, not come with you on Sega CD. What what what? Yeah, that's, she stays, that's stays home. That's uh, that's one of the most memorable scenes in because uh, I mean okay I know uh, I remember like my mouth was agape when I played the PlayStation One version for the first time. But, I, I mean, I, all right, I'm backing it up a little uh, yeah, bit. Yeah, I want to I hear both your reactions. Um, <laughs> I just don't even see you know, how the game could function without Luna being in the party after that point. It kind of doesn't. That's, yeah, no, it needs Luna needs to come. So it, Luna it, doesn't come. Uh, sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that Luna coming with you to Moribia is crucial to the game because oh. I mean, it it brings Alex and Luna closer. I think Alex sort of awakens to his feelings for Luna more uh, over the mm. course of uh, them uh, over over the course of their adventure in the Katarina Zone before Luna's kidnapped and uh, and you know, communicates to the player how close they are and how important they are to each other which you know yeah. which adds to the stakes of rescuing Luna for the re- um, for the rest of the game after she's captured plus you get that delightful musical scene on the boat <laughs> yeah it's which is which is you know extremely Disney movie. It's like you know uh, oh no the heroine's alone with her feelings so she has to sing those feelings. Um, yeah. Which is you know is a bit of a cliche but a cliche that I absolutely welcome because the song is adorable. Very. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that to have that not in the Sega CD version at all um, first has me wonder who the hell is he, is like healing you and helping you out for that whole couple hours uh, <laughs> after Lots save. Of herbs. Lots, uh, lots of green herbs. Oh, great! Um, awesome. So, so you you head into Moribia. It's just you, Nall, and Ramus, and and you know you get scammed by Dross. The diamond gets stolen, uh, and before you head into the sewers, 
uh, you have to stop by Black Rose Street, where uh, instead of Royce, it's just like a nameless uh, fortune teller who teaches Alex um, fire magic. And when you head down into the sewers, um, the the uh, water lizard or the water dragon uh, boss there, uh, because they're um, because they're, they're submerged in water and you're on a platform, uh, they can't be hit by melee attacks. So Ramus is just like cowering in the corner and you're just flinging uh, fireballs and uh, healing yourself and using starlights. And it takes a really, really long time. That sucks. Oh my God. Yeah, it is rough. I want it no part of that. Really I'm so glad I played the uh, PS1. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and, and, and then you, you eventually just head back with um, Galleon to Berg, and he kidnaps Luna for no reason. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, she spends like most of that game absent. It's bizarre. And, and also, um, well, okay, it's clear that the Vile Tribe are kidnapping singers because they know that the person that they need for their evil plot is a singer. Like, when you're on your adventure with Luna, I mean, it, it's made clear that luna is a brilliant singer yeah and, and well, also she, she heals through singing doesn't she so she's yeah, yeah. always always laying out those pipes yeah but you're also hearing about singers disappearing and like and uh when you're on the you know doing your task in lawn uh, that uh the the swamp dungeon with it with the frog boss at the end like yeah. you, you meet a uh, lawn's resident singer at the beginning of the quest and then she's mysteriously disappeared at the end it's like it's it's commu- it's you know um, planting seeds and doing foreshadowing for what the Vile Tribe's mm. doing. And to have Luna not around for that seems backwards. It's it, it, Again, I think it's an important part of the early part of, of the first third or so of the game. And, and, and it's bizarre to me that Luna's not around in the second CD version. I guess, like, they just wanted to damsel her earlier, or they just didn't know what to do with her. It's It's bizarre. Maybe they just <laughs> wanted to have a scene where, like, like you just like watch her recede standing on the port as the ship goes away. I mean, it's effective, but also like, that's a nice um, scene, but it's not as not as as dramatic or awesome as her leaping onto the boat and and again not, not at not, all not having that uh, that musical number on the boat. Well, I I think you know playing that remake after that first game and and it, it really worked. Um, it really subverted uh, my expectations as to what was going to happen next and showed you okay, this is where this game diverges and this is where it becomes. Uh, something entirely different. So you're not playing a prettier version of the same game, you know? I think it's amazing the differences between the Sega CD version. I did look at some, like, pictures. I watched a couple of YouTube videos, and it looks like an entirely different game. Hmm. I didn't remember it looking quite as rough as it does. (laughs) I remember it looking beautiful. It looks of its age. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. um, Like, for Sega CD, I think it looks great. Yeah. The music was really good as well. The music is completely different. Yeah, I think the soundtrack is nice. It's um uh, a little repetitive. I think the entire the full soundtrack is only about twenty five songs. Yeah, but, uh, but none of it is unwelcome. I would say, mm-hmm. except for yeah, uh, I, that that I, one I like that it. that one point in the uh, second half of the game where there's a uh, a town with deliberately crappy music. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> we can talk about that a little later. Uh, Why didn't the Vale try to kidnap the mountain? <laughs> that's some that's some like uh that's like some hanuman in the ramayana kind of crap exactly well if that was a plot twist <laughs> <laughs> so uh i guess um uh, going back to the main plot of the game um you it, the sort of mission to become the dragon master becomes one and the same with a mission to rescue luna and uh 
Alex has to visit each of the four dragons and obtain their blessing and their power, so to speak, uh, starting with the white dragon right outside of his hometown who gives him a ring and uh, and some dragon wings that allow you to fast travel. Or I should say the, uh, the mysterious swordsman Laika, who's definitely not related to any of this at all, uh, <laughs> gives you the magic dragon wings. Yeah, just, uh, just a very nice guy. Yeah, he, he's just a really nice guy that's preposterously nice strong. Yeah. Some dude with a beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no way plot related. He has a, he has a beard and a, and a beret that uh, that must completely disguise uh, what he looked like as a younger man. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we won't talk about him. Uh, and uh, and you know, and then sort of systematically you uh, uh, meet the red dragon, then blue dragon, then black dragon, and sort of the, I would say, the middle third of the game. And... Uh, and the the stuff around meeting the red dragon, you visit. I, I what I what I would say are three very specifically weird towns, or mm. maybe, I guess four specifically weird towns. You have really? uh, you have you have Reza, the, uh, the, the the thieves town, and Nanza, which is the uh, the sort of mercenary outpost that Kyle runs, and then the uh, I, I want to say the like the sort of backwoods town of Marriott, where everyone speaks in a peculiar accent and uh, and hits on Jessica and Mia very rudely. Yeah. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Yeah, and and then you have uh, Illuk, the town of um, eccentric inventors whose experiments have gone wild in in the gated garden, but at the rear of the town. (laughs) So it's uh, I I don't know exactly why they set it up this way, but like uh, the first quarter of the game is sort of oh these are normal RPG towns, and then the next set of them are just a bunch of weirdos, each for different reasons. Like this is this town's job, and then you go yep. five feet, and then it's like, oh, and we've got a different job, and we're all about that job. Like everyone here, is <laughs> everyone here as an inventor. Yeah, and oh, and oh, we're gonna take away your dragon wings, so you can't fast travel between these towns. Now you, you uh-huh. have to you have to hoof it um, between each of them until yeah. you become a member of the thieves' guild, and you and the thief has to give them uh, back to you. Which so, I don't think he should have. He did rob us before we entered a contract. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe they should have just beaten him up instead of have to go through this whole thief and rigmarole. And roll. <laughs> and, and the dungeon to become a member of the thieves guild is its own weird thing. Uh, like you have to, you have to play some, you know, choose your own adventure to, to for the password to each floor. Hmm. Yeah. And I have to, uh, and I have to say, I like the wrong answers better than the right answers in every case. Yeah, I think I accidentally picked the right answer every time, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I did get through it, but you probably get through it even if you pick the wrong answer. So yeah, I don't yeah. Know. it doesn't change anything. <laughs> well, um, but one thing I thought was interesting: the final task in Dame Inspire to become to join the Thief's Guild and get your dragon wings back is you have to um, you have to make a, a statue of something right. out of clay, and the um, like the right answer is for Alex to make the statue and have it be of Luna, but everyone else in your party mistakes her for the goddess that everyone in the world of Luna worships. But why? Then now right at the screen and he goes um, something like, everyone thinks Luna looks like the goddess looks to screen. I wonder why that is. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what I think in my head. Yeah, like the moment where a cast member of the office just like looks exasperatedly into the camera. But the uh, get yeah, it. But the, the wrong answers there are like uh, Kyle makes a crowbar, and and Jessica makes a a, a badly formed necklace. It's, it's it's like really these are just like head scratching jokes. But uh, again, often the wrong answers like are a, more... a macaroni frame. Yeah, <laughs> like the wrong answers are more fun than the right answers for all of them, especially yeah. when that doofus Kyle has to say something. 
But it, it ends up okay. They join the Thieves Guild. Then you can backtrack to every town and open up red chests. And then you can take a hot air balloon into a volcano, which seems like a bad idea. It is. And um, I, I, I know this happens in a couple places in the game, but I, uh, I found myself rather strapped for health and, and MP in that volcano dungeon. It was one of the uh, earlier ones I struggled with. Um, uh, starting with you, Leona, I'm picking on you because this is your first time playing, and I apologize yeah. in advance. But, uh, like, what do you think of the difficulty spikes and grind in this game? We went into it a little bit, and how, especially with how it's different in the different versions of the game. But um, were there any boss fights or any dungeons that you particularly struggled with? Because, uh, personally, I, uh, I had a little bit of trouble in that volcano, um, both, both just, you know, having enough MP to get to the end, and mm-hmm. also the I think I I had to I think I had, it took me two or three tries to beat the boss because the the I don't know the the first couple times those dogs just did all just did all hitting attacks multiple times in a row and it, and it went badly. But uh, so, do you notice any difficulty sp- spikes or boss where you struggled? I, I definitely like I feel like the game like comes out the bat like you're going to struggle all the time and like and some bosses are like weirdly easy like. I won't get into it, but like, there's like a few later bosses that die really pretty much instantly. But like, I feel like the slime boss was really a wake up call for me. I was like, "Oh, the one on the, ship, on the ship early on." Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like recovering all the damage I do to him, and so you really had to like, even though bosses level up with you, you kind of need some skills. Like, I think I needed to get vigor, like which is a skill that powers up. Yeah the attack of Alex, which you kind of use, at least I used all the time for every boss battle. Like, that was my strategy. Yeah. um, Power up Alex. Yeah, Kyle has a similar one. And I think that those two skills in Alex and Kyle are absolute requirements. Exactly. Well, that's what I feel like I've relied on for nearly every boss, just to get through them. And, like, the dungeons themselves were, like, exercises in attrition. Like, (laughs) if you did not have enough starlights or healing items, even though you almost always have a white mage in your party to heal you, you still need all these healing items anyway. It was odd. I've never played a game quite like that where you just need a constant amount of healing. So I feel like the the biggest spike for me was, like, probably the volcano, definitely, because it's quite a long, like, quite a long sort of trek through that dungeon, Mm -hmm. and enemies get progressively harder for each floor. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I think that um, it probably depends on your own pace of uh, leveling up and grinding. Like if you if you did a bunch of grinding in one specific area, then the following area might be easier than usual. But uh, the the difficulty seemed to be a little uneven for me. I thought the Red Dragon Cave and the Blue Dragon Cave were fairly challenging based on how long they were and how many encounters are hard to miss and how strong the enemies are in them, even though the Blue Dragon Cave doesn't have a final boss, which was interesting. Uh, mm. but, yeah. like, but, like, the um, that cave in uh, the in the town right before the Blue Dragon Cave was almost laughably easy. I didn't... I, I, like, it, I felt like I didn't even have to conserve my MP. And uh, so I, I found the difficulty, like, reasonable. It, it was... Uh, I don't think it was ever that unfair. Like, I could... Excuse me. No, I wouldn't say it was unfair. It's like you just have to prepare for a lot of these bosses. Like yeah. you can't go into most of these bosses with no items and low MP. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, for um the, the handful of times I died in this playthrough, uh, every time it was like, okay, I need to just do what I did before, but make sure to load my character inventory with more starlights or more uh, or more healing nuts. 
Yeah. And then and then I would and then it would be fine. Um, and I think uh, again, like against those bronze dogs, the first time I played them, I think they hit oh, me yeah. with like they hit me with like uh, six straight uh, full screen attacks. That that yeah. just that just seemed like spectacularly bad luck. That <laughs> but, does that in bad luck. Yeah, but it was uh, but again being able to save anywhere and always having a, and Jessica's a capable healer and I I think um, items don't aren't prohibitively difficult to get. So it's, it, it, I think Lunar One plays fair, but there is some unusual difficulty spikes that I wasn't always expecting. Mm-hmm. So I get that gets us roughly through the first half of the game. Uh, but before we close out, um, uh, starting with you, Leona. Again, I'm picking on you because this is your first time playing. Um, now I get, I asked you for your early impressions a while ago. What's your overall impression now that you're a bit past halfway? Like, um, how, like, uh, what? questions or uh, things you are you more interested in seeing in the second half and uh and again and what's your overall impression after playing i'm i'm guessing probably about a dozen hours in yeah it's about a dozen hours uh overall impressions as i've i've grown to like the game more and more as i play um i'm excited to see characters grow and interact with each other i think like a lot of these kind of characters interact a lot with each other so that's really what's driving me forward as the characters and not so much the plot, um, but the characters definitely. Um, I'm enjoying it. I am. I like. I wasn't sure I'd be able to, like... I thought I was honestly going to come on here and I was like, I hate it. I hate everything about this game. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> I really do like a lot of this game. And it's like... It's, it's, it's a little... It's a little dated. It's a little 90s. A little anime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm having fun with it. So... I've just reached the end of disc one, but apparently the disc two isn't very long to begin with. Um, I mean, I mean, from my memory and from also glancing at some uh, table of contents in a, in a fac uh, earlier this week, uh, it, I think disc two is just a lot of resolution, and, and uh, there's mm-hmm. only one or two towns, but there's like five or six dungeons in a row to crash through, and it, uh, it definitely gets you know. Um, resolves what plot threads there are but uh rob um again you're playing the psp version for the first time and re and revisiting revisiting the story for uh not the first time um Uh but but what's your um what's your overall feeling about it now if you're uh roughly at the halfway point i'm still getting the warm fuzzies uh because this was a this was a pivotal rpg in my childhood um so no matter what uh no matter what form it takes, I'm always going to have that fondness for this, like, you know, this unique sort of, you know, Northern, Northern Europe, cold feeling world. And it's, um, you know, it, Quark, I was one of like the first friendly dragons I remember encountering in a game. <laughs> um, it is nice that all four dragons are basically rooting for you. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, basically. Blue, blue is the best one. Sorry. I just had to get it in. The blue, dra- the blue dragon is uh, is the most charming of the four, I <laughs> for sure. Um, uh, like there's certain things that I don't know. Like I, I mentioned how difficult the uh, going through the sewers with just Alex and Ramus was, but like I, I think even the PlayStation One version doesn't have encounters on the world map. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah, nothing on the world yeah. map, um, and they're visible on screen in dungeons, and and again can yeah. be avoided a lot of the time. 
Yeah. Um, the uh, PSP version cribs from Lunar Legend on Game Boy Advance and that there is no world map. There's just like a like a map select screen where it shows you the continent that you're on and you pick the location to go to. That's a little less um, fun. Yeah, it is. Um, especially because I remember like really beating my head against that the the boss of the sewers um who by the way that's the first boss in the sega cd version there's no there's no slime um there's there's none of that um so i remember like just heading out into the overworld and just like walking as far as i could and like seeing vane fly by overhead and being like oh wow what's that i that's something that i can't go to that looks great um sort of it's a cool world map it's um it it feels it feels crafted in a way that is uh that makes you know like seeing new areas fun and rewarding it um i I think that uh, some amount of the charm would be taken away if it's just a if it's just a visible menu like a like digital Digital devil saga or something um so yeah so so not being able to do that like i couldn't even leave town to look at the map uh once the diamond gets stolen um so that was that was a bit of a bummer and then once you do see that map vane is tiny and you barely notice it it's not like it just you know zooming past your head um but Ah, where was I going with this? Uh, differences, similarities. Um, I still like it a lot. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it through and seeing. Because um, you know, I never did beat that PlayStation One version because I'd I'd only rented it for a weekend and I got pretty far, but I didn't see how the ending uh, uh, diverges. Um, so I I, I do look bad. forward to seeing that. Um, I should mention that the PSP version uh, adds uh, an intro that is exclusive to this version that um, adds absolutely nothing at all. Um, if you want to see uh, the four heroes do their final battle against um, some like faceless final boss in in a quest that you don't see, I mean that's sounds like a trip to YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it. I don't even do that. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Um, but. <laughs> There's just something earnest and and um, uh, wholesome about game art's uh, very brief uh, oeuvre of RPGs that um, kind of evokes this. Um, uh, yeah, I guess it is a nostalgia, but I don't know. It kind of it kind of feels like a hug in a way, and, and I have time for that. Right. Um, my feelings are. Uh, similar to yours, Rob. Even though I think I'm playing the uh, the uh, most likable version of the game currently, uh, it had been I think 14 years since I've played this, so it was an appropriate amount of time that I'm re-remembering and rediscovering uh, things about the game that I liked before, but feel it's been long enough that they feel at least a little new. And I still like the game for the same reasons I did 14 years ago. Like it's uh, it, it has an old school charm and is you know uh, mostly good versions of these old school mechanics but with characters i really like and a story that it's at least at least interesting enough for me to be compelled to play it through to the end and i'm looking forward to playing the second half i'm i'm stuck in uh in the talon mines right now in uh in disc early on in disc 2 but i'm sure i'll get to the end before we uh record again in a week or so um I liked this game 14 years ago, and I'm liking it up for a lot of the same reasons. But again, like I love Dragon Quest and Skies of Arcadia and similar turn-based games with like with like a, with earnestness and wholesomeness to them. That's just a, yeah. that's that's just a kind of game that really appeals to me. And whether the execution is excellent, like Skies of Arcadia, or even imperfect, like in that uh, that DS game Nostalgia, that just that kind of game appeals to me. 
Uh, yeah, nostalgia had a lot of problems, but yeah, I, it, also, I also kind of liked it. Yeah, no, I kind of like it, even though I don't think it's one of the best uh, Nintendo DS games. But like, but that not kind, at all. But, but, but yeah, that, about it. Yeah, oh, but, yeah, but, yeah, but nostalgia. Okay. <laughs> but 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 that kind that kind of game appeals to me. Uh, at, at least at least you know um, ha- has a built-in appeal for me, and uh, and Lunar is a very excellent version of one of those old-school RPGs. So I've had a lot of fun replaying it for the podcast, but. I think that's about enough lunar discussion for this episode. Thank you, Leona, and thank you, Rob, for joining thank me on this you. recording. And thank oh, you, thank listeners, you. for uh, um, for sticking with us for an hour plus talking about lunar. Next week, we're going to f- con- uh, continue our discussion of Lunar One: The Silver Star, uh, all about the uh, about Endgame stuff, about you know betrayals and plot twists that happen right around the time you change discs on the PS1 version. We have a lot to talk about still. Uh, and after that episode, we're going to do two episodes on Lunar Two: Eternal Blue, or I think it's just Lunar Eternal Blue on Sega CD. And uh, we might have a slightly different panel for those episodes, but I am looking forward to getting to Lunar Two immediately after finishing Lunar One. But beyond that, I wish I had time to join you guys for that. That would oh, be a oh, joy. Yeah. But oh, you think you're going to pass blast. on? The, oh, you're going to pass on the Lunar Two episodes? <sighs> yeah, I just don't think I'll have the time to play through it. It's a much longer game. Yeah, it, uh, it's 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 considerably longer. I uh, I think mechanically there's a lot of improvements that they make, but I'm not sure I I like all of the characters as much. It's a uh, it's it's a little less romantic I, and, and more mm. and more and has more personality to some characters. You know what? Don't count me out just yet, because okay. I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> All right. Well, like, 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 like uh, let's say I don't like any of the Lunar Two characters as much as Kyle or Jessica, but I absolutely adore mm. Ron Far and Jean and Leo. Let's, uh, uh, but mm-hmm. but not for but not for their relationships, more so just for who they are in general. Plus, yeah. you, you know, I have a penchant for uh, mysterious masked heroes. So, of of course, I'm I, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm intrigued. He's oh, it's dead. Lunar Two is good. I think I think I like Lunar Two a little more than One, but I uh, but again, it's been so long since I've played Lunar Two that I don't remember everything about it. So that will be fun to revisit in the next few weeks. And uh, but beyond Lunar Two, we don't really have anything planned yet. We're even recording this pretty early because uh, to just because I, we need to give ourselves time to play these old RPGs. Mm. Um, but listeners, if you want to reach us directly, the best way to do so is via email. Use retro at rpgfan.com. I read everything that is directed to us and will respond if you send something. So please send us e- emails, whether it's a comment or a suggestion or a criticism. I will read it and respond. Also, RPG Fan has forums. We They have a Twitter. We have Facebook. We have Discord, for which Leona is one of the moderators. We have an yeah. Instagram curated by our delightful social media co- coordinator, Stephanie. And there is a second podcast, Random Encounter, which is artfully hosted by Derek Heemsbergen most of the time, except when we had uh, a few special episodes like um, like the Ladies' Night episode a few weeks ago, hosted by Stephanie and Caitlin and a few other ladies of RPG Fan. Um, and you can find all of those things linked on RPGFans.com's front page. Uh, if you want to review us on iTunes or Google Play, please do so. We uh, appreciate any feedback that you have for us. And uh, before we sign off permanently, um, starting with you, Rob, how can listeners reach you? What do you mean permanently? Where are we going after this? <laughs> um, I oh my, am on Twitter. That language is more uh, dire than I meant it to uh, be. I, yeah, I apologize, Rob. There's a little ominous magic <laughs> emperor Solosi. Send in the clowns. He's sending us to the grindery. Oh I'm, a, I'm on Twitter at MisanthroBob. That's where you can find me. Uh, hit me up. You know. And Rob, I, I, I apologize if this is self-serving, but you also have two very fine podcasts that you handle on misanthroplay.com. I'm sorry, misanthrop... 
on, on misanthropop.com. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if that's self-serving. It's just um, that's very, very uh, generous of you to give me a shout out. People, um, you're allowed to plug your stuff on the podcast. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I never know. Now look, uh, I do two podcasts. One is on hiatus. It's called Misanthroplay. You may have heard it. Um, it's on Twitter at Misanthroplay. Uh, and I have also launched a new podcast a couple of weeks ago called Misspent Youth. You can find it at the same place. Uh, Mike and I recorded an episode together, uh, which will be going live probably around the time you hear this. So um, have a peek for that at misanthropop.com. I have not heard the podcast I was on yet, but uh, um, I have listened to all the episodes of Misspent Youth uh, released at the time of recording this, and it is excellent and worth a listen, people. It's uh, um, Rob does. Thank good you very work. much. Yeah, Rob does very good work on his two podcasts. And uh, Leona, same question to you. Where can listeners find you? You can usually find me on the RPG Fan Discord server, of which I am a moderator. Uh, you can find a link to that on the front page of RPG Fan. Mm-hmm. Um, my username is Star Mongoose, all one word. I don't know what it means either. <laughs> well, I, I, I assume you're some kind of extraterrestrial mus- mustelid, but galactic mongoose. <laughs> simple, really. I, mean, I, I don't Wait, know why you ask me that. <laughs> are, are mongooses mustelids like in the weasel family, or are they something? Are they something more exotic? I'm not sure. They're crustaceans, aren't they? <laughs> Cr- crustaceans. Okay, that, yeah. that was that was not in my top uh... ten guesses. <laughs> But is it but a yeah. is it a vile crustacean like the one you fight in vain? Oh right, that definitely, yeah. That definitely yeah. killed me once, <laughs> and I had forgotten to save, so I had to do the whole galleon white dragon thing again. That was great. Oh no, they're 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 her pestidae, folks. They're related to the meerkat. Okay, okay. So they're, they're, oh, not, they're so they're they're not oh, must they're not mustelids oh. like a like we like weasels or otters. Okay, and definitely not crustaceans. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can find me on Discord or my Twitter, which is also Star Mongoose. Right, uh, thank you so much for joining me, Leona, for your first podcast. I uh, very you. much enjoyed yeah, having you, you and and especially and the, again, this is selfish of me. I especially enjoyed having your Scottish accent join us as well. Oh, thank you. Did it come through? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> and uh, listeners, if you want to find me, I am uh, Monsoon on RPG fans forums that I don't use anymore. I'm Monsoon Mike on Discord, which I visit more occasionally than the forums. And I am at the Real Monsoon on Twitter, unless I am getting weird about. Japanese superheroes, in which case I am at Evoker for Dogs. Hell um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, listeners, um, we have more Lunar for you the rest of this month, so please look forward to that. Thank you, good night, and good luck. Check this out. Check this out. Boom! Wishing on a dream that seems far off Hoping it will come today Starlit night, foolish dreamers turn their gaze, waiting on a shooting star. But what if that star is not to come? Will their dreams fade to
可。